the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Irreverent, over the top, and smart as a whip. This is the Rob Black Show. Welcome in, Rob Black, getting your money. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. One of my biggest regrets or things that I see the most often on any sort of financial planning issue is people always talking about wanting to start earlier than they actually did. It's tough to start thinking about money investing when you're 18, 20, 21, 22, but that's the best time to really start thinking about it. Let's bring in CFP Chad Burton from EP Wealth. You can find CFP Chad Burton at his website, chadburton.com. That's C-H-A-D-B-U-R-T-O-N.com. Chad, how are you? Doing well, Mr. Black. How are you? Well, um, probably true statement that I made right there that coming out of college, thinking about money and investing is not the top priority for young people, but it should, it could be, or it should be. What are your thoughts? Well, well, speaking of college, first of all, it's really easy to tell how long you and I have been doing radio together, mm-hmm. you know, because yep. if you remember when we met and grabbed our first beer together after an event, um, uh, my wife was at the time was what nine months pregnant with my son nick who graduated from texas tech it's his birthday today 22 years so today we've been hanging out for just a little over 22 years doing radio together so happy birthday nick yeah it's been a long time congratulations on you and i not getting a divorce (laughs) (laughs) there's been times right (laughs) there's been times (laughs) a good deal anyways um yeah financial regrets you know whether it's you buy a new car and couple months later, you've got that buyer's remorse. Like, why did I spend so much money on this? It's now dirty and I need a detail already. Yep. Or you just get to a point where you're like, gosh, I, I just, I should have saved a little bit more. I should have made coffee at home instead of stopped by Starbucks every day or Phil's, which is even better. Uh, and, you know, putting more money into your 401k than your car payments. That's kind of a key thing these days. And it's interesting because with apps like Robinhood and Acorns that we talk about all the time, but especially Robinhood, it's really put investing in the forefront of a lot of young kids' minds. So it's a good thing. Um, the speculation is a little bit rough. So I'm, as I've talked about before, as, as these kids are jumping on and buying story stocks or meme stocks or you know crypto that's done well but been very volatile, they've kind of moved into let's invest straight into stories and in speculation and not building a financial base. So hopefully there's not some major correction that shakes them out of being investors. And hopefully they, you know, continue on and and start buying index funds for your first couple hundred thousand and then start buying individual stocks and things like that. But it's, it's interesting because I've had a lot of uh, clients have their kids call and say, okay, what else can I do? What else can I do? And they have a Robinhood app, Rob, and mm-hmm. they've bought shipping container stocks. They bought oil stocks. They bought, you know, kind of the Netflix and chill idea, right? Um, which is basically Netflix and cannabis stocks and companies that sell pizza. It all kind of works together, right? But they don't even really know what the Roth 401k is, which is interesting. 
So it, it, you know, it's put the investing, you know, they're, they're thinking about it. They want to make money. They want to save money. They want that, that good return, but they haven't had that education yet. And it's really lacking in our school. So I think it's fun to do those meetings with, with clients, kids, and they're interested in saving. So let's refine this a little bit. And, um, one of the things I want to add to your color that you started with was that investing in your twenties, even if it is in crypto and you make a mistake, because I bet history is going to show us, it'll be a lot like Fidelity Magellan that most investors who invested in Fidelity Magellan lost money, even though it's the most successful mutual fund of all time because they bought high and sold low. I'm okay with your son or anyone's 20 year old losing money in crypto, learning a lesson, and then in their thirties, getting better at investing. Because it is a process. Um, I think you and I have proven that over time that uh, it takes a little bit of time to get some of the mistakes out of the way. I bought a biotech stock when I first met you, a company called Cryomedical Sciences. And uh, it was fighting cancer in a a unique kind of way. And stock went from two to four and four to zero. And I never bought a stock under $5 ever, never, ever again. Never, ever bought a biotech again because I clearly didn't know what I was doing. Yeah. And, and I mean, I could tell stories of, uh, you know, a startup that I've invested in that just recently kind of owner kind of gave up and companies folding, they're trying to sell their IP and it'll be, you know, pennies on the dollar return. So for every one of those startup story things that you do, you're going to have, you know, seven to nine strikeouts for every one home run. And that's not how you start investing. That's something I haven't done until I was in my forties, right? You've, you've got to build that financial base, have that that base of, you know, this is, this is my foundation of my retirement. And now here's my one to 3% of my money that I can go speculate with because I'm young enough. If it goes bad and, and it goes to zero, I can make it up. I'll just save more for a couple of years. But, you know, I, I, these kids that have this huge opportunity right now, which is a Roth 401k yep. and taxes are going to go up. I mean, we have another fiscal package coming down the line with a tax package that is messy to say the least. Um, you know, everybody's talking about the changes. I did a whole show on it yesterday, but none of it's even, you know, close to getting passed yet. Everything's just proposals and it still doesn't fix certain problems like we have with, which is social security and Medicare and mental health and healthcare issues in the country. And so taxes are definitely going to be going up in the future. So if a kid's starting off, you know, and they're asking, what do I invest in is, put 10% at minimum 10% of pay into the Roth 401k, you're going to get the company match on top of that. So there's your 15% starting off right away. And it's going to grow tax-free for the rest of your life. When you retire, whatever you pull out, is going to be tax-free. There's no investment that's ever going to beat the Roth 401k, not a chance. So, and, and it's kind of easy because you tell them, okay, if they have target retirement date funds, like a 2060 fund or beyond, which is very aggressive in the beginning, just choose that for your first 50 grand. And that, that allocation will be just fine. And so, um, and then after that, you know, pay down the debt, any debt that you have, get rid of it. And then so let's, let's, let's stop for one quick second. You said sure. a Roth 401k. You can't really, can you get a Roth 401k with Robinhood or do you do a Roth IRA? No, you can't even do a Roth IRA with Robinhood right now. So that's just kind of a normal brokerage account. Okay. So, um, you know, the Roth 401k, you want to get that money in because, Typically, there's a match from anywhere from three to six percent of pay for most employers. Okay. 
So it's like you're putting your money in, your money goes into a ta- account that's growing tax-free forever. Your employer's match is going into an account that's growing tax-deferred until you re- take it out and then you pay taxes on it at retirement. And then, um, yeah, the, I mean, once you've paid off debt and created your savings account cushion, you know, three to six months worth of expenses and cash, then the next step is to do a Roth IRA. And there's some really good um, kind of robo-advisors that do offer Roth IRA accounts. Fidelity actually has a really good one that's free for the first like $10,000. It's Fidelity Go. Mm-hmm. Uh, SoFi has one. Uh, Vanguard's is good, but you have to have a, an account for $3,000 before you start it. But um, I've been pointing a lot of people in the Fidelity Go direction because kids can easily jump on there and within, as long as they have earned income, you know, you can fund that up to $6,000 a year, as long as they've had a job that made that much. And it's really simple to set up. Um, it goes into some of the Fidelity like index funds and it's a decent portfolio and it's free for the first $10,000. I mean, you can you remember how much investing costs, Rob, when we first met? Oh yeah. It was $40 it was, trade. $40 a trade was a good deal back then. Cause it used to be 2% commission. And all of a sudden it went down to, cause a bid well, you know, if it went down to 40 bucks a trade. Now it's free. So we'll talk about this and much, much more as we continue the show. You're listening to Rob Black and your money. CFP Chad Burton is on this morning. You can find him at chadburton.com. It's chadburton.com. We'll talk about all things financial when we come back after break. The Rob Black Show is brought to you by EP Wealth. Learn more about EP's unique approach to managing wealth at robblackshow.com. Questions about how to invest in your retirement? Check out robblackshow.com and get in on the conversation. Subscribe to the podcast and video channels. No one cares more about your money than you do. It's time to start to feel good about your financial future. robblackshow.com, robblackshow.com. People who are millennials and younger are facing interesting times with the economy, with new ideas like investing in cryptocurrencies. They're also trying to adult and grow up in a time of COVID. Joining me today, CFP Chad Burton. In our first segment today, we talked a little bit about getting the children of Chad's clients investing and what that looks like in the conversations going about with it. I had to cut you off because we were short on time, Chad. Was there any last thoughts on that topic? Well, it's just the idea of, you know, the steps to take as these kids are kind of jumping on. um, They're starting investing in some of the high flyers, the story stocks, the meme stocks Mm -hmm. and crypto, you know, come back and build a base first, right? What are are the financial things that I've seen done in the past that help people, you know, be comfortable with money, realize how much they need to save, not make emotional mistakes and be able to continue to build wealth. Um, because Rob, I've seen teachers become wealthy because they were systematic savers, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and eventually they went into other assets and bought positive cash flow real estate and just continued to build wealth. And the one thing that's common is they didn't, you know, buy super fancy cars all the time. They didn't constantly swap houses into the next one they could barely afford. They were just concentrating on appreciating assets or cash flow assets. Um, and just were able to save. So when they build that, that foundation, again, really focus on the Roth 401k for younger people, because when you start off, you're working out of college, your income's lower than it's going to be in your 40s and 50s. In your 40s and 50s, your taxes are going to be much higher, not only because you're making more, but because of where our government is going and all this debt that's being piled on that has to be paid for some way, shape or form. 
So the Roth 401k, give up that tax break in the regular side of the 401k. Give up the tax break and put all of the money into the Roth 401k if you're younger, because that's going to grow tax-free forever. And once you put enough into that Roth 401k to pay, to get enough to get that match, then make sure you get rid of any debt that's not your mortgage. I hate debt that's not your mortgage. Uh, you know, you create that savings account too, that, that emergency fund, because you never know when your car is going to break down or your water heater is going to go out, you know, those types of things. And then you go back and if you can still afford to save, you know, max out that Roth 401k, that's 19,500, you can get into that, right? And you can still do a Roth IRA in most cases. And that's where you can use some of those robo advisor options that are out there if you want to do it for free. So there's a couple of ways that people can open up, I think, a Roth IRA in a really easy fashion, Rob, right? I mean, what's your, do you, do you have a preference between like Fidelity or Schwab or TD in terms like of all, brokerage? All, all three of them are good. All three of them have great paperwork. I would stay there. That's yeah. Good, so those are good neighborhoods, so to speak. Yeah. Yeah. And the, um, you know, TD has been purchased by Schwab. So anybody that has a TD Meritrade account, it's eventually just going to be a Schwab account anyway. Um, but, but all of them are great. Um, so if you want to open up a Roth, you can go online at say fidelity.com. You can open up a Roth IRA account, you put the money into it, but then you have to pull the trigger and figure out what you're buying, right? You have to make the purchase. And there's so many ETFs or exchange traded funds that you can buy for free. So you could put the money in and you could find a large cap ETF, a small cap ETF and an international ETF and, and be done, but you have to decide which ones you're going to buy. And when you buy them, I would always encourage, especially the younger people, to make sure after you've made the, the, the buy that the dividends are being reinvested for you to buy more shares. It's an automatic way to continue to save. If you don't do the automatic dividend reinvestment, all of a sudden the cash is going to be piling up and then you're going to have to find out, okay, what can I buy now? I've got all of a sudden hundred bucks in dividends that have piled up. What can I buy for hundred bucks? Um, so it's a lot more of a no brainer approach to reinvest those dividends. If, if you're looking for a more even automated approach where they decide what to buy for you, yeah. you can use some of the robo advisor options that again, some of them that are free for the first 10 grand fidelity go. They use their select index funds. They create the portfolio for you. You just go online, you open up, do I want a Roth account? Do I want a regular brokerage account? And you start putting the money in there. And that's a great way to do it until you get to like 10 grand. And then you figure out, okay, do I want to continue on or do I want to put it back into the regular brokerage account and decide what I want to buy myself? But then you can at least look at the portfolio, look at the pie chart that they're presenting to you and say, okay, so professionals put a certain amount in large cap, small cap, mid cap, international emerging markets. So I should be doing the same thing. It's a good way to learn, you know, how you should be investing. So that's the Roth, right? Right. And then you yeah. and I both use the Acorns app, which is a kind of automated way to save too, right? I have a question about Acorns because I'm, <clears throat> I'm not as savvy with it as I should be. They don't have a Roth option, do they? I know they have a retirement, but they kind of set things up in a cute manner, like invest for your future versus investing for now. And I know they have a regular account and I know they have an IRA. I don't think they have a Roth, do they? I don't think so. I haven't logged on for a little bit. I just okay. kind of set mine up just so I know how it works. I yep. you know, signed up my debit and credit card. So it rounds up the purchase, pulls a you know, few pennies out of my account and puts it into an ETF, exchange traded fund portfolio, which is ETFs are just like funds, right? Um, I don't think they have a Roth. I mean, it's worth a Google, right? But I don't think they have one because, you know, these businesses, Rob, the, the robo advisors are really not. I mean, it's, it's a, they got to get really big before they're profitable. 
really, really, really big. And so um, when a company offers a Roth IRA or a regular IRA, any type of retirement accounts, it comes with a certain amount of reporting to the IRS. And I don't think they want to be in that business yet. Question for you. <clears throat> I'm, I'm not a Robinhood user. Um, I'm assuming your son is. How's their paperwork look? Because when you brought up Fidelity and Schwab, they've got great paperwork. That's what I really like about them. Um, when it's not tax time, it's easy to get my, my statement, so to speak, over my accountant. Mm -hmm. um, have you seen the paperwork for Robinhood? Uh, nope, but it, I mean, it's just going to be a digital 1099 that you have to forward okay. on to your... Year. The, the one that's going to be interesting is how, you know, the, the tax issues currently on cryptocurrency trading are different than stock trading. Right. So stocks, if you have, if you sell a stock at a loss, you have to stay out of that position for 30 days before you can write it off against other gains that you've created. And currently that's not the same with crypto, but the, the proposed laws are going to make it the same. So what, uh, you know, I've known several CPAs that had to go on and just create their own Coinbase account or other accounts just so they could see what the paperwork and the reporting is like. So they'll know how to report it for their clients. Kind of a whole new world with all this crypto trading. Absolutely. So let me send people to your direction real quick, and then we'll think of some ideas to talk about next. But people can find you at chadburton.com. That's chadburton.com. They can also open your phone. And whether it be Google or Apple, there's a connection to podcast. You can find him at New Focus on Wealth with Chad Burton. Probably Chad Burton gets you started in the, the search will complete itself. What should we talk about next segment, Chad? We've talked about ETFs. We've talked about investing when you're younger. What's the big topic we're going to tease into the next? I think as we go through 2022, especially with some tax changes, um, mm -hmm. you're going to start seeing more and more mutual funds transition into ETFs or exchange traded funds. Really? They're very similar. Uh, like, so for example, DFA is a fund company that is, you know, only advisors could use. They were kind of the, somewhat of the inventors of smart beta where you take indexing and you put some rules on it. Yep. And it's always been mutual funds and they're starting to transition to ETFs, exchange traded funds. They're more tax efficient. And so it's a great pick for taxable accounts. If you're trying to invest outside of retirement and stay tax efficient, ETFs are typically the way to go. Thanks very much. You can find Chad at chadburton.com. Brought to you by EP Wealth. This is the Rob Black Show. Welcome back in. Rob Black and your money. I'm Rob Black talking all things financial money, investing, and more. Today with me is CFP Chad Burton. He and I are with EP Wealth. You can find us on Chad's website, chadburton.com. That's C-H-A-D-B-U-R-T-O-N.com. We've been talking a little bit about the Roth 401k and the Roth IRA and starting early, maybe making a couple mistakes, how ETFs are very low cost, very low commission, if any commission at all. And that's a great way to start. But Chad, let's start talking about the millennials right now. And they're basically the driving force of, they're at, they're, they're at the important years. They're spending a lot of money, buying homes, settling down, making children. What further advice as your son is just finished in college, what advice would you be giving him as he starts to get into a serious relationship? Where does he go from just starting to save on his own? Uh, Prenump? <laughs> no, oh, daddy, daddy's got some money, huh? Yeah. <laughs> let's see. Um, so, I mean, we, we kind of talked about that idea of the, you know, building the base. You know, I encourage kids before they need an advisor to do, to get $250,000 saved on their own before they really need to pay somebody for help. 
Um, you know, in all of this and all of the vet investing, people need to keep an eye on their credit, of course, you know, okay. make sure that they're using credit properly. Um, you know, credit can be a little bit of a tricky thing because you think if you're not using credit at all and you don't have any negative marks, you have a good credit score, but you don't, you have, you don't have credit at all. So you don't have a credit score. And so if you go try to buy that house and you've really have no credit, you know, you might not get as good of a rate. So you have to start building your credit using credit cards wisely where, you know, try to not charge it up above 30, 40% of the value, pay it off every month. Um, there's credit usage and you just learn about how credit works so that as you save, you're trying to save, okay, I'm going to put 10% into my Roth 401k so I can get the match. That's 15% or so going towards my retirement. Then I've got to save outside of that for my savings account. I want to buy a house eventually. And so you start building up the asset to fund that down payment. But when you get that house, you got to have a good credit. So you're, you're kind of doing that all at once. Um, let, me, let me throw something in here real quick and ask you a question. Have you ever used the app Credit Karma? I do. Yeah. I love it. It's really simple. It makes me feel good about myself because I've got excellent credit. It tells me when my credit changes. It tells me if any new credit lines have been opened. So it kind of keeps me aware of anyone's hacked my identity. Um, <clears throat> it also tells you, hey, here's how your credit score is factored. If you miss a payment, this is going to hurt you this much. If you make payments on time, it's going to help you. If you have over 30%, it warns you that you're starting yep. to hurt your credit score. So uh, I'm glad that you use that app. I've, I don't think I've ever asked you that on the air, but uh, we both use it. It's a good app. Yeah. I mean, I will say you get you know quite a bit of offers. And I felt like after I signed up for it, I was getting more robocalls. That could have been a coincidence because it is, it is free. Um, huh. And it does keep an eye on your credit. And it does give tips all the time of, hey, hey Chad, you might want to think about opening another credit card so that your credit score goes up. It, it, as it's, it's interesting as, you know, I I've seen this with other clients too, as a high income earner, I have a mortgage and zero other debt. And I struggle to keep my credit score above 760 Rob, because I don't use that much. And because I only am using one, I have two credit cards and one of them I use the majority of, and I pay it off every month, but it often goes over that 50% balance. And so it kind of dings the credit utilization score. Um, so I'd be better off on opening up another credit card and splitting up all, all my payments, you know, open up a different, uh, you know, cashback card or rewards card and split my automatic payments that I have on it between the two cards. But, you know, I deal with finances eight to 12 hours a day. And then when I go home, the last thing I want to do is go apply for a credit card. So I'm a little bit lazy on that front, but I also don't have any major, you know, debt that I need to take on. Um, I'm, I've kind of paused on some real estate purchases right now. So it's, it's not like I'm super worried about it, but I, I need to get on it. Cause there will be a correction in real estate that will say, Oh yeah, I want to go buy something now. And, uh, I'll need to make sure my credit score is well above 760. You know, what's the best part about that is, uh, I've known you a long time and <clears throat> I've struggled with getting my credit score over 800 and my good friend who has a credit score over 800, I was like, how's he doing it? I think he just kind of figured it out for me. He's more leveraged than I am. Or he's just doing it a little bit better, but uh, well, that's why the system's broken. I mean, it's it's absolutely broken. I have my debt to income ratio is extremely small. I have hardly yeah. any debt. I am I am somebody that somebody would want to loan money to. Where I know so, a guy that's got uh, you know a, a, one of the side by sides on leverage, a boat on leverage, a new truck on leverage. He literally has a credit score higher than mine yeah. and lower income, and that doesn't make any sense. <laughs> so it, so it is what it is. You got to play the game. Let's transition this into the, the women of our lives. My spouse 
really doesn't care about paying credit cards on time. She's a little sloppy with it. She cares about raising great kids. She's great at a lot of things, but she'll open up a, like a Macy's card to get that 15% off at the cash register. And then she'll miss a payment and her credit score gets dinged. How do you go about talking to your spouse about credit without causing World War III? Oh, that's a good one. Um, boy, you know, 28 years in the business and I still have, it, it's, it's so based on personality type. Yeah. Um, you know, some clients as a couple, I have both people that are very into the money situation and then both ask questions and want to know where they are. I have others that don't care. They're kind of checked out during the meetings, one of them. Um, and it, it's, it's all over the place. It's just, learning to talk about money is one of the hardest things in marriage, you know, learning how to fight and then learning how to talk about money and the money talks when it comes to things like credit and, and retirement and wealth building tend to come a little bit later in life because, you know, we all get out of college. We're, we're struggling to pay the credit or the um, student loans off. We're trying to get a little bit of money in the 401k. We're trying to get into a house. You're always kind of like scrape, scrape, scrape to get to the next level but then once you have kids and those kids are off out of college, that's when your income is typically the highest level. You're hitting your career path. You have extra money now because you're not paying for college and extra kids and, you know, $1,500 soccer club type stuff. And so people start to really try to catch up on savings. And that's when more of the money talks happen. We're like, okay, it's time to buckle down. We can't spend as much on these items. We have 15 to 20 years left that, you know, we're going to need to retire. So let's start saving. And you're doing that at the same point in time where you're transitioning in life, you know, becoming empty nesters is a new deal for a relationship, right? You're, you're yeah. all of a sudden so busy with your kids and the kids are gone and now you're spending more time together. You're kind of like getting to know the other person all over again yep. and having to talk about some really difficult things and that's money. So let me show you how bad this conversation can go. Um, my wife, when I met her, she had some money, but she had a bad credit score. When we decided to buy a house, the uh, loan agent was like, we can't put her on the loan. And I had to go to her and say, I'm going to use some of your money for the down payment, but I have to have my name on the loan and not you. So my name's going to be on the house and not you. And it was, it was very stressful for her to process that uh, because she's like, what if he leaves me? What if he divorces me? Is he going to get the home? And am I going to be kicked out? Will I have a place for my kids? Like things along those lines. Um, it can be kind of awkward, but it's a good conversation to have. And that's one of the reasons we're going back to conversations are good and keeping your credit clean is good and utilizing credit so that you have a good credit score. So you don't get, how shall we say, uh, pinched out of a loan. Uh, I'm sure you've seen some pretty awkward conversations more than that one, but that was probably my biggest one so far in life. Yeah. I mean, that's, it's, and that's one, and, and it's tough to explain to somebody like, look, you know, Sweetie, the, the, Sweetie. The, the, <laughs> that's a bad start right there. Sugar buns. <laughs> I was trying to remember what you, what you call her, but, um, sugar, sugar burger, sugar burger. Yeah. There you go. Um, <laughs> now I'm really sidetracked, but you know, you might've had separate property going into the marriage. You might each have separate property, but if you buy a house together, regardless of whose name is on it, yep. um, if income that you earned while you're in marriage is used to pay that mortgage, it becomes community property. Right. So the only way it doesn't is there's, you know, prenups and agreements in the beginning. This is no, this is my home, whatever is used to pay for it is mine. And that's really st still even kind of hard. 
So there's been people that, okay, I'm getting married. This is my second, third marriage. Um, I want to make sure my mortgage is paid off and it's totally listed as separate property in our trust um, and in the prenup so that if, you know, this thing doesn't work out, then I keep the house and it's not going to be a battle situation. It's been an interesting situation because we're both getting married for the second time. And uh, when that was happening, like you said, she brought some assets to the table. I brought some assets to the table and prenups are great. Postnups are okay too, but learning to talk about money before you tie the knot, really, really important to the point, Chad, that I've said, you know, what's yours is yours. You never have to put it in my name, but I'll put everything of mine in your name. I don't care. Um, so we just don't have that fight and it's made our marriage a lot better to, um, for me to compromise that as, as an issue, even though of course I'd want the assets in my name as well, because it's more romantic, but more romantic doesn't mean smarter financial plan for all people. No, maybe after, you know, if we have time, we can get into it, but, but look, this, some of the toughest estate planning that I do is kind of an opposite of what you did Would you know, you guys both came together, but there wasn't kids from a previous marriage. Right. Um, I'm dealing with a pretty complicated estate plan right now where there's mostly retirement assets. There's two kids on one side from a previous marriage, one kid on the other, two kids are not good with money and always kind of financially in a tough spot. And the other kid is really good. And so they're trying to figure out a complicated estate situation where they take care of one another if the other one passes away, but that money is held in trust. So it goes to the proper kids. And those, those conversations can also be difficult, right? I mean, and, and a lot of planning has to come to play. That's why we have a whole team of attorneys to help us out. Money referee, that's what we should start a podcast because the state planning is getting stickier and stickier with all these nuclear families and how they're coming together and getting split apart. Um, thanks very much, Chad Burton. You can find him at CFP. Uh, you can find CFP Chad Burton at chadburton.com. He and I work with EP Wealth. We actually do have some financial planners there too, other than us, uh, other than Chad. And uh, like he said, some estate planning attorneys, super important that you work these things out before it becomes an issue. Find him at chadburton.com. That's chadburton.com. Brought to you by EP Wealth. This is the Rob Black Show. Invest in what is really important. Rob Black has partnered with EP Wealth Advisors. Are you concerned with financial planning, tax planning, managing your investments, or just planning your retirement? Rob Black has partnered with EP Wealth Advisors. With over $12 billion in assets under management and more than 80 financial professionals at the helm, EP has your financial future in mind. Learn more by visiting robblackshow.com. That's robblackshow.com. Welcome back in, Rob Black and your money. I'm Rob Black. I've had a 22 plus year relationship with CFP Chad Burton to the point that we merged our businesses together and then we ultimately sold our business and joined another firm, EP Wealth, in large part because they've got a lot of services that run from estate planning to things that we couldn't offer um, on top of financial planning. Uh, Chad, when we last left off, we were talking a little bit about inheritances and leaving money to your children and how estate planning can get kind of dicey. Um, I saw Daniel Craig, James Bond, say that he's not going to leave anything to his children because he wants them to be financially responsible. Where do you fall in the whole inheritance for children concept when it comes to talking to clients? Because I'm sure your clients run the gamut. Um, And technically, they're wealthy because they're working with a financial planner. Yeah, they definitely run the gamut. I'm, what I will say is most of my very wealthy clients um, give a lot to charity. I mean, okay. that's, that's one thing that 
you know, when, when people attack that higher income earners don't pay enough in taxes, I know how the tax system works. I don't number one, buy it. And I also see them give a ton of money away. Um, and, a, and a lot of the tax issues that are out there kind of attack the, the benefits of charitable giving. And, and that's a bit of a problem. Um, but yeah, it is all over the board. I, I don't have many that say nothing goes to their kids. Okay. Right. What I do have to often do is, is ask them, okay, how are your kids with money? And they don't really know. Well, they seem okay. You know, they're not asking me for a ton of money, but I don't know. Okay. What happens if they got a half a million dollars? What would they do? They quit their job thinking they're rich and they don't really know. So wealthier people, I tend to say, okay, let's, let's, let's give them some now while you're alive to see what they do with it. You know, give them a lump sum, see how they act. Will they invest it? Uh, maybe put some caveats. Hey, I want to give you, you know, $15,000, the annual gift amount. Um, let's open up at a brokerage account together and decide what to invest and see if they hold on to it. Or if they come back to you six months later and try to cash it out and spend it on a new car. Um, so that, it's almost a game, but I, I, I don't like the game aspect of it. Let's see what they do. Let's test them. But because I kind of hope that I could still guide them. So that must be a little difficult for some people just to, again, trust the system, so to speak. Well, you have to kind of know what they're going to do because, you know, you can either give assets to kids outright after you die and they just mm-hmm. get it and they can do whatever they want with it, or you can leave it in trust and you can leave it in trust for multiple generations. Um, you know, right now we have a lot of clients funding GST, generation skipping trusts before, you know, some of the laws change where they put an asset into a trust that is going to be there for their kids. You know, after they die, it's, it can support the kids even a little bit while they're alive. The kids get to use it for their entire life. Whatever's left over though, is going to go to the grandkids. And, you know, that's, you, know, you got to pay the money to set those up. There's an extra tax return that's typically done. Uh, and it takes some, some, you know, effort to do it. Uh, but you can literally haunt people after you die and put, a lot of restraints on those assets so that my big fear, Rob, is that, you know, I pass away, my kids get the money. They, they, you know, get married really, really young. They get a divorce when they're 35 and lose half the money in a, in a really bad divorce because they didn't keep it separate. They didn't keep it in trust listed as separate assets. And, you know, somebody that doesn't deserve the money gets half of it, right? That's my big fear. So far, my kids are all pretty good with money. Um, how are, they date? How are they dating now? Uh, well, so the, my oldest, not yes. it, Nick, it's, you know, he's, he's, he's like, whatever. He doesn't really care about a long-term relationship. Eli, three-year relationship with his girlfriend that they went to college together. And any other kid, I would have been like, don't go to college with your girlfriend, but those two are pretty solid. Okay. Um, and, you know, daughter, two-year relationship too. So it's so far so good. I am a little bit worried about Ava, Rob. She spent um, 300 bucks on a Luke Bryan concert ticket for this weekend. She was asking me to help her. I'm like, there's no way I'm buying you a $300 concert ticket. Absolutely not. She actually, she's working. So they've all had jobs all even through high school, straight A students. So spend your money on what you want, but I would have never paid 300 bucks for a concert ticket. Let me put a little fear in you. If you don't give her that money chat, she's going to go find another man that will. <laughs> Uh, have you seen those memes like make sure your daughter travels a lot while while she's young and with you so she doesn't you know get conned by some crusty old guy that wants to take her on trips (laughs) one of the benefits of not having a daughter i never have to worry about that uh, yeah 
It's scary. So, um, let's wrap this up and I can tell you one more estate planning nightmare. Um, my mom died this year of COVID in January. Um, so her estate's not going to settle until the end of the year with a tax return. And five boys, one daughter. There's one brother who's, the, who's a jerk. There's one brother who wants more. There's one brother who wanted the house. There's one brother who took her car. Um, I'm sure you have. So that, that's one of the reasons I, I want people to have estate plans. And more than just write it down on a napkin, get a lawyer for a will or get it in California a, a trust. In large part, it makes a ton of sense when you die. Yep. Got, got a situation, a 20 acre, super nice piece of property. The one kid that none of the other kids like is, is on the property, will not move. They're trying to you know, force a buyout of the property because mom died. Yep. And it's, it's, it's a bit of a nightmare. And it's, it's going to take the estate probably a year or two longer to settle because that family issue wasn't dealt with in clarity inside the trust that says, no, you're bought out. You know what I mean? So um, you, you've got to think about those family dynamics because you could be leaving them a lot of money, but you could be leaving them you know, broken relationships that'll never be repaired. So you got to be careful. Absolutely. We've got about a minute left. Do you want to plug yourself or plug your show or your podcast? Any last thoughts? Yeah, yeah. You can just go to New Focus on Wealth is the iTunes podcast. Or just go to chadburton.com. All the links to the platforms are there. Um, and then, you know, EP Wealth, we do the investing, fee-only, fiduciary-based financial planning, estate planning, taxes. You know, we do, we do it all. So we've got a team of well over 50 certified financial planners. We've got CFAs running portfolios. Um, so check out the, the team over well over $12 billion in assets under management. So check it out, chadburton.com. So one final question. Is your daughter going to the concert this weekend? She bought the ticket. She's she going. Bought the ticket. Got yeah. it. <laughs> That's a way to wrap up the hour. That's CFP Chad Burton. You can find him at chadburton.com. That's chadburton.com. You can always find me and a podcast of the show at robblackshow.com. Don't miss an episode of The Rob Black Show. Subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for donald trump to hire i find out the worst enemy that i'm going to face in my life is right here in america they took my assessment and they wanted me to change it i was like i'm not changing it they had to get rid of flint with in-depth interviews archival footage and never before seen personal record to the man behind the headlines i just felt like i was drowning flynn deliver the truth whatever the cost available now watch it today go to salemnow.com salemnow.com